Hey you guys, welcome back to the Spill Podcast. I am your host, Vivian Rose. So in this week's episode, I have a doctor on here. We're going to talk all about eating disorders. So eating disorders is like a really pretty much normalized thing in today's world and I just really want to educate you guys on it because it's a, a big issue for teenagers in these like type of days because social media and stuff and I just really hope that knowing about eating disorders and educating you on it can really help you to realize if you have one and how to recover and just educate you on them so that you can help someone else that you may know that has an eating disorder so let's get right into the episode. Before we get into the episode, I do want to go over this week's featured listener. She is so, so sweet. She DM'd me on Pinterest, and she said, like, the cutest thing ever. And this is what she said. She said, hi, I just wanted to message you because I'm literally so in love with your podcast, your blog, and obviously your Pinterest. Your Pinterest account is so aesthetically pleasing, and it's so organized and gorgeous. Love all that you do, girl. Keep it up. Thank you so, so much. That is literally, like, the sweetest thing ever that you could ever say. Like, <laughs> that's literally just so sweet. And it just made me so happy, you guys. Like, I truly appreciate the nice and sweet things that you say about my businesses and stuff. And I really do appreciate, like, when you guys say, like, the blog, the podcast, my Pinterest. It just means so, so much to me. And if you guys want to be featured on next week's episode, DM me or leave a review on Apple Podcast and... I will totally feature you on next week's episode. Again, that is the sweetest thing. Thank you so, so much. And I appreciate your sweet, kind words. Now let's get into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So in this week's episode, I have this incredible doctor. She is so, so sweet and she's like all about eating disorders. And so she's going to teach us and educate everybody about it. So if you have a friend who may have eating disorder or if you may have eating disorder, she's going to educate you about it and hopefully um, help you to encourage like recovery and stuff. So you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Dennis. Uh, people call me Dr. Kim. I'm a board certified psychiatrist and certified eating disorder specialist. And I'm the co-founder and medical director of a treatment center called SunCloud Health, which is in the Chicagoland area. That is so cool. I would love to like come and like um, see all about psychiatry because I really love psychiatry too. It's so fun to um, learn about all things mental health. I really love it. Me too. I'm biased, Vivian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's get right into the episode. So question number one, what exactly is an eating disorder? So at its essence, I would say eating disorders are a group of illnesses that affect a person's thoughts and behaviors around food, body image, weight, size, shape, and those sorts of things. And there are different types of eating disorders in um, what we use as psychiatrists as a diagnostic manual. So the manual we use to, you know, determine what specific illness a person has. And the main types of eating disorders are, um, in all, you know, in the order of most frequent to least frequent, which is a little bit different than how most people think about them, would be binge eating disorder, um, where people experience, a, experience loss of control in discrete Um, episodes of eating um, and eat objectively larger amounts of food than um, would be typical for a person without the disorder. Um, And then we have bulimia nervosa, 
which is binge eating episodes, you know, loss of control, eating large amounts of food, um, followed by some way, shape, or form of compensatory behavior. And by compensatory behavior, um, that could be any number of things, um, like throwing up, like exercising, um, compensatory um, restriction of eating. Um, and then there's also anorexia nervosa, which I think is what most people think of when they hear the word anorexia. Um, it's the least common of the eating disorders. Um, it can be the most medically serious. Um, and anorexia is essentially an inability to take in enough nourishment to um, keep your body um, functioning well, keep your brain nourished, and um, keep you healthy. Um, people with anorexia, regardless of if they're in a larger body or a smaller body, tend to be very perfectionistic and obsessive and have um, are, are pretty obsessed with um, changing the way their body looks um, and losing weight. Um, they tend to be bothered by thoughts of their body image and that usually is distorted in, um, in the way that they think that they look bigger than they actually are in reality and in the way that how they look matters a lot to their personhood, you know, whereas people who don't have that, um, you know, might put a lot more stake in the fact that they're a good student or a good friend or a talented athlete or an artist. Um, you know, their values are more in tune with um, who they are rather than what they look like. There are a couple of other eating disorders um, that I can mention. Um, one is called ARFID or Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. Um, and people who have ARFID um, typically aren't restricting their eating out of concerns about body image or out of a desire to lose weight, um, but they typically will have difficulty um, consuming enough food to nourish their bodies because they're afraid that they're going to choke on the food or that food will cause them a medical illness. Um, or they can't tolerate, you know, certain textures in food. Um, and what ends up happening is they, they, the amounts of food and types of food that they eat becomes very restricted. And oftentimes the quantity um, becomes restricted as well. And then there's this group of diagnoses called other specified food and eating disorder, which um, is can be a lot of different things that just doesn't meet full criteria for any of those other four that I just mentioned. That's really interesting. I had no idea there were so many different types of eating disorders. I only really knew about anorexia and maybe two more that you mentioned, but I didn't know about like the other ones that you mentioned. Like that's very interesting to know that there are so many different types and I didn't yeah. yeah I didn't know that anorexia was the least common because the most people that I know with eating disorders they have anorexia so I didn't know that 
Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think that's typically the case for most people because the one that, um, you know, the one that people see, you know, with Mm -hmm. their, with their eyes, um, or what they think they see with their eyes is anorexia. And it's also the one that I think in media and press, we hear the most about, you know? Um, So I think a lot of people don't really understand that there are a lot of other eating disorders and that they can be um, very medically serious and potentially fatal too. Yeah, it it seems like it can get really scary because you're in the hospital day after day and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what are some signs that someone may be having eating disorder? Yeah, so it depends on what eating disorder they have, but if we just in general, um, there's almost always an impact on a person's social functioning. So, you know, things like friends not wanting to go out to eat with you anymore, or friends going out to eat with you, but not eating when everybody else eats or eating very rapidly and always going to the bathroom afterwards. Um, when people go on extreme, you know, any sort of extreme changes or shifts in how a person's eating. And some of these are tricky to pick up on because there's a lot of, I would say, sickness in our culture in American society around obsession with, you know, clean eating and obsession with, you know, this myth that in order to be healthy, you have to be thin. Um, So I think a lot of times people are experiencing symptoms of an eating disorder, but don't really even know it. And their friends don't know it because it's just so pervasive. Some of these perverse in my opinion, ideas about what it means to be um, healthy. You know, I think diet culture is um, something that young people are exposed to early and often, you know, through social media, through school, through their medical providers. Um, And some of that can cloud you know, detection of an eating disorder in the early stages. Yes, ma'am. And I actually, um, I love that you mentioned that because I really don't like how on social media people really push out these extreme diets and stuff. And they push out diets that really like they make you look good but they don't make you feel good inside. And so like they may be like deteriorating like parts of your body. And then, like, killing up your gut health and stuff is absolutely terrible. And I just hate how that's so pushed on to young people at this time. Yes. Yep. And they never, you know, they never work. You know, I don't even know what work really would even mean for a diet, but they're not sustainable. You know, and what ends up happening is people are um, harming their bodies, as you said, you know, and... um, exposing themselves to medical dangers that they don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, when you restrict your food intake, you mess with your metabolism. You know, our bodies are exquisitely built to maintain a steady state, right? So if I 
decide like, oh, I know I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, like low calorie diet. Um, and my body is starved of adequate nutrition or, you know, restricted from getting enough nutrition in what happens is my metabolism is going to downshift, you know, and go more slowly Mm -hmm. so that I'm not burning up as many calories, just, you know, sitting around. Um, and once I resume eating a normal amount of food, my metabolism then doesn't like crank back up again to where it was. It stays in a lower, a lower state um, because the body remembers the state of not having enough food. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I get that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I think people don't really realize what you know that there are longer term implications to dieting um, on your physical health. Um, And certainly, you know, one of the things we know about eating disorders, one of the biggest well-known, most well-known risk factors for developing an eating disorder is dieting behavior. Mm -hmm. And especially like, um, like how you said, different people in school and stuff, it's very easy to pick up what you see somebody do in school. So when you see somebody like maybe only eat a couple of things like not what they need to be eating to fuel their body then you're like oh maybe I should try that and so it's not really good like it's like almost like a um a follower type of thing you follow what you see other people do yeah it's like contagious Mm -hmm. you know so what would you say would be the first step to recovery from an eating disorder so I think you know for a lot of people the first step is either themselves saying, I need some help, I can't control this, or this feels like, you know, this is something that is hurting me and I can't stop it. Um, A lot of times it's not even the person themselves that's first to say that, but a loved one. So like a best friend or a parent or um, even sometimes teachers or coaches um, who, who are aware, sometimes a pediatrician, um, I feel, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, like it needs to be pretty far progressed for another person to notice it unless they really know what to look for. Um, so I think the best way to get help for yourself, um, and to get help while it's still going to be, uh, an easier thing to recover from would be as soon as you find yourself, um, you know, losing yourself, losing your values, not feeling well physically, emotionally, spiritually, to speak up and ask for help um, to somebody who can actually, who's actually equipped to connect you to care. Um, You know, we know that adolescents and young people in our country are facing, really facing a mental health crisis um and i think people are well i think people are more attuned to the mental health needs of adolescents uh, because we talk about it more um there's still a huge 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 number of adolescents and teenagers who are not getting connected to help yeah, I, like you said, I think the first step is to realize it. And it does seem like it's pretty difficult if you don't really know about eating disorders. Like, 
if you don't know what to look for as an eating disorder. So I do think that it is good, like, you know, when you go to your yearly checkups and stuff. So your doctor, they they don't specialize in it, of course, like, you know, your normal doctor, but they are trained to at least know when something isn't up. And so that's a really good way to realize it and making sure you keep up with your appointments. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, pediatricians get very, very little in the way of training on eating disorders. So my, you know, my caution to any of you guys would be, you know, it's I never assume that because a pediatrician didn't pick it up, um, or even if, you know, if you talk to a pediatrician and they're like, no, you're fine, um, push. You know, like you really want to go to somebody with eating disorder specific training. Um, you can find certified eating disorder specialists um, if you, you know, look for that designation. Um, it's called a CEDS. And also, you know, there are organizations that um, you can call for free if you're even wondering about it, who can at least get you referrals to people qualified to identify eating disorders like NIDA, um, the National Eating Disorder Association, um, ANAD. Um, there are a couple of other organizations as well. Um, if you, you know, if you Google eating disorders help. Yeah. And can you explain like maybe the next few steps of recovery from eating disorder? Yeah. So a really important piece is um, the, as you might imagine, the nutritional piece. Um, and again, I, you know, regardless of what size of body a person is in, um, having plenty of people in larger bodies who think, I have binge eating disorder, I must lose weight, or I'm eating too much, plenty of people, regardless of their size and shape, um, aren't getting adequate and regular enough, consistent enough nutrition. So nutritional therapy, we talk about food as medicine in the eating disorder world. Um, and that's an essential part of, you know, recovering from an eating disorder, making sure that physically your body is safe and healthy, um, that your electrolytes are within normal ranges, that your heartbeat and blood pressures are normal. Um, so I think, you know, the, the physical aspects, which would include food and medical stability, um, would be, you know, first order of business. We also, um, you know, if you're a young person and you're still living with family, it's really, really, really helpful to involve um, family and family meals in the recovery process. Um, so having loved ones also, you know, meet with professionals so that they know how to help you in ways that are effective. And they know also like things to avoid that may be um, detrimental in the process. Um, and then there's also the emotional part of it, right? And the trauma part of it, plenty of people with eating disorders have some way, shape or form of trauma. And, um, you know, it's critical for a lot of people to get those issues adequately treated and addressed, um, again, by people who are competent to treat things like depression or post-traumatic stress disorder, 
um, or anxiety disorders um, in order to be able to fully engage in eating disorder recovery. Yeah, and I really do think that the emotional is a big part in it because it's like if you're not in the right headspace, you can't really truly recover. And it makes a lot of sense because um, when I was learning more and more on eating disorders, it's it's like it really starts in the mind and it really starts on the way you view food because um, I was reading some stuff about how some people have like a fear of food and if you have that fear, you can't really move on to the recovery until you fix the fear. And so I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, we, we now know that eating disorders are brain diseases, you know, that, that impact our thoughts and, um, perceptions and behaviors. You know, it's not just like a phase that people go through or, you know, laziness or any of the other things that oftentimes get confused with what an eating disorder is. Mm-hmm. And how do you, how do you like, how do you know how eating dif- disorders affect the body? Like, what do they do to like our body? Yeah, so they, you know, they affect um, all body organs. And again, depending on the type of eating disorder, the specific impact on specific organs can be different. But in general, you know, brain health suffers. Um, if your brain is malnourished, you know, literally you lose brain cells and brain mass. Um, the same holds true for the heart. Um, we know that electrolytes can be altered and sometimes to the extent where it affects our heart's ability to beat in, you know, a regular way. Um, so people can have arrhythmias, which sometimes can be potentially fatal. Um, the digestive system um, can be definitely impacted by eating disorders. Bone health uh, is a really important one, especially for young people. You know, we are only able to mineralize our bones, get the minerals in up until around age, you know, some somewhere in the early to mid 20s. Um, and if we're in a state of chronic um, energy deficit or calorie deficit, um, and we get past age 25, you know, people are at much, much, much higher risk of developing osteoporosis um, at very, very young ages. Um, we know that it affects the endocrine system, the reproductive system, um, the skin. Um, so, it, you know, it can affect the liver. Um, so it really, really has um, an impact on, you know, the person's whole body. Um, you know, and one one other um, piece of eating disorders that's really important to mention is that there's there's a high percentage of people with eating disorders that experience suicidal thoughts. Um, and again, like talking about the crisis going on in teen mental health, um, it's important to to realize that if you do have an eating disorder and you're having any thoughts like that, you know, to um, go to the ER, talk to somebody immediately, um, because that's never, you know, 
never um, a thought that is um, a normal thought or, you know, that's, that's not something to just sort of cast aside and say like, oh, well, everybody thinks this every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense because it seems like suicidal thoughts are getting more and more common along with eating disorders. And that's really scary. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. What resources are available for people who are struggling with these eating disorders? Yeah, so there are treatment professionals who are specifically trained in eating disorders. Um, And I would say, like, not every therapist who says they are an eating disorder specialist may actually be one. So, you know, I generally tell people to, you know, do your research. if the person has a certif- a specific certification in eating disorders, that's generally a good sign. Um, you know, generally look for somebody with experience because eating disorders are complex and oftentimes difficult to treat. Um, there are community supports like the National Eating Disorders Association. Um, there are treatment centers if your disease is, you know, progressed, um, where you can get treatment, you know, for example, for three hours a day, five days a week. There are residential treatment centers um, for people who are not able to do this on an outpatient basis, um, and even inpatient um, eating disorder treatment centers. Um, you know, and another another resource. Um, for some that some people benefit from is um, there are 12 step support groups for people with eating disorders. I generally, um, if, if somebody is interested in that, recommend Eating Disorders Anonymous, which is, um, you know, you, you could have any problem with, with food um, to go there um, for free. It's peer led, so you're not going to get a professional there. Um, but if somebody has an eating disorder, I, I always, always, always recommend that they see a, a professional that is equipped to treat eating disorders. Uh, and that goes for nutritionists as well. Um, you know, I would say especially for nutritionists because so much, again, so much of the health world is focused on losing weight and quote unquote getting healthy, um, which if you're a person who has an eating disorder, that's not going to be um, very helpful to you, you know, because you have to treat the eating disorder um, and mental health has to be part of getting healthy. Flexibility and acceptance, all of those things are important. Could you come see a psychiatrist like you? Yeah, there are um, there are outpatient providers. Um, some are psychiatrists, some are um, adolescent medicine specialists, um, some are therapists or psychologists. Um, and um, most, I would say probably the majority of eating disorder professionals are outpatient providers. Um, and now too, with telehealth being as robust as it is, um, people are finding access to specialists like eating disorder specialists, even if they don't happen to live close to, you know, a larger city or um, a well-resourced place. Mm-hmm. And how can friends and family mem- members support someone with an eating disorder? 
Yeah, so there are family resources as well. Um, there are a lot of nonprofits um, that have emerged that support um, family members um, and friends. Um, so Feast is an organization that is specifically for family members and loved ones. Um, family therapy is oftentimes an important part of eating disorder recovery. Um, there's a particular form of therapy called family-based therapy. That's um, sort of like the gold standard treatment for adolescents with anorexia. Um, so it's um, like, like I said, when we were talking earlier, it's, it's pretty critical to involve family in the recovery process. And we know that recovery rates are higher when families are engaged in the treatment process. Yeah, and it seems like it goes a lot smoother that way when everybody knows what's going on and everybody can really pitch in and play their part to helping it. That's very nice. Yeah, yep, yep. This interview was so, so nice. Thank you for being here, and I hope that it really helped um, maybe my listeners and stuff and different new listeners to really know what eating disorder is and how to know if you have one, you know? And thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Vivian, for having a podcast on this important topic. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and if you guys want to check out her website and stuff, I'll make sure to leave it in the show notes so you can go see everything. And thank you so much for listening.